Hello, hello, Leah Pika here. Today's guest created a presentation tool that will take all of your boring design guesswork out of your presentation equation. Stay tuned to find out who's sprucing up the place on the Present Beyond Measure Show, episode 56. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure Show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics, visualizations, and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hello, hello, data storyteller, and welcome to the 56th episode of the Presempia Measure Show the only podcast at the intersection of presentation, data visualization, and analytics. This is the place to be if you're ready to make maximum impact with your insights and create credibility through thoughtfully created data presentations. And from now on, I'm addressing you, my dear listener, as a data storyteller, because just by listening to the show, you are taking one step closer to that role and that identity every time. So I'm hoping that you're hanging in there, considering the continuing global climate and adjusting to certain elements that might become part of our new normal for the time being. I realize this is a tremendously uncertain and challenging job climate for a lot of digital and data practitioners. So I actually created an article on LinkedIn that aggregates the search results from glassstore.com of all of the roles in digital and data and marketing that I could think of. So you'll find the link to that article on the show notes page for this episode at leahpika.com slash 056 because there are people hiring out there. And when you've got the skills, the data storytelling skills to pay the bills, you have a really great shot at staying competitive in this market. So what's new? Well, I'm hopping on the virtual speaking circuit. So here's where you can catch me next live. This month, I'll be participating in two virtual panels on data visualization. The first is the Digital Analytics Association Virtual Symposium 2020. That happens on Tuesday, May 19th from 12 to 3.30 p.m. Eastern. So great to see the organization flexing with the times. So I'll be moderating an afternoon panel on DataViz, and that day will be joined by esteemed speakers like the godfather of analytics, Jim Stern, the grumpy cat of analytics, Tim Wilson, the top gun of analytics, Adam Greco, and... My DAA mentee, Amber Zaharchuk. Woohoo! I decided that I want a cool analytics name too, like the chocolate muffin of analytics. Yeah, I think that'll stick. Then on May 27th, I'm on a panel about data viz, again, hosted by ObservePoint. I'll be joined by industry luminaries like Brent Dykes, Bryant Hoops, which is moderated by Peter Netsheim of ObservePoint. And I have to tell you, the prep call this week was a super invigorating discussion around dashboards versus data storytelling, the, the differences, the pitfalls. So if that's your jam, you must join. I'll also be doing an interview in June with Jim Stern in conjunction with the Marketing Analytics Summit. So they're going virtual as well, which is great. And you'll find links to all of those events on the show notes page as they arrive. Not all of them are in yet. So check those out. 
There's a good chance you'll still be home, so why not dial in, level up your data viz game while the kids are throwing spaghetti in your hair and running naked behind you on your Zoom calls, eh? So, as usual, I'm really excited for today's guest. (laughs) That's never different. But in particular, I'm excited because for the first time ever on the show, I'm showcasing a presentation tool. I've stayed pretty agnostic of tools and platforms so that there's no particular bias in what I'm teaching. But I have to say, this is a tool that I've used personally, and I can honestly say that I can stand behind it because of how the tool is built. Finally, on presently accepted slide and data design best practices. Woohoo! So let's get to it, shall we? Hello, I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. He is a serial entrepreneur and currently the founder and CEO of a startup called Beautiful.ai, amazing presentation software that will revolutionize how people build beautiful visual documents for communication. Beautiful.ai has over 350,000 users in over 180 countries and is empowering big and innovative brands like Wells Fargo, eBates, Walmart, and he founded this after he actually founded Slide Rocket, which was the first cloud-based presentation tool, which grew to over 1.5 million users. And I have personally used this tool, and I'm really excited to bring on the founder of it because I think it represents a huge step forward in how we present our information in a way that people can truly understand and remember. So, I'd love to welcome you today to Mitch Grasso. Hello. Hi, thanks. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. You represent uh, someone from the very first tool that I've actually featured on the show. I've always tried to be a bit agnostic of tools because, you know, I, I try to deliver a foundation for any kind of tool, but when you guys approached me last year to write my guest post, um, the presentation techniques inspired by Marie Kondo, I actually had a blast writing my that post. It was one of my favorites. But I also got to use the tool to create a sort of companion deck to demonstrate and help people remember the techniques. And I was really blown away by how intuitive and even predictive the interface was. So I knew I was using a different kind of tool. Yeah, great. That's good to hear. <laughs> so first, I'd love to hear your origin story. How did your passion for bringing ideas to life through presentation come about? That, that's a, the, We could spend 40 minutes on that, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the short one. Uh, so I started my career as a designer. I, I was doing... Uh, video games and motion graphics and, and print uh, design uh, for a long time until I started, you know, doing startups. And this is actually my third startup. My last one, as you mentioned, was a company called Slide Rocket, which was also presentation software. But Slide Rocket was really a tool that I sort of designed for myself. Uh, I wanted a better PowerPoint. I wanted the best of Keynote and PowerPoint and After Effects and Photoshop all rolled into one. And so I built that tool, you know, sort of to serve my own needs and we put it in the cloud and it was great and everything, you know, collaboration, all these amazing things happened. But at its heart, it was still a 
traditional kind of authoring tool, a, a tool for laying out boxes and picking colors and, mm. you know, moving fonts around or text around. And, you know, we, yeah, we grew that to a few million users. We, we were ultimately, you know, had a successful exit, but I felt like our customers, our users weren't really taking advantage of the tool. They were mm. still creating effectively crappy presentations. They were <laughs> verbalizing their ideas as bullet points. They were, you know, taking the, the least, you know, uh, the shortest path to get the design done. And it, and it realized in that process that, you know, the people using the tool were not designers. They didn't have the experience. They didn't have the training. They didn't have the knowledge and the best practices of, of how to, you know, design effective visualizations right. of information and how to, how to present these things. So it, it was still a, this hard, difficult process. And, and, and sort of the aha moment for me was that the problem isn't the tools. I mean, everyone complains about PowerPoint and all these <laughs> And these tools are great. The problem is the process. The problem is that you're not a designer. And why are you being asked to uh, do design? And so the aha moment for me was figuring that out. And sort of when I exited out of uh, selling that company to VMware, um, I, I didn't know if I really wanted to do another startup. I was a little burned out. But but this idea kept percolating in, in my head. And, and, and so I decided to try and build what became Beautiful AI, which was effectively flip the process and say, what would it be like if the tool was the expert instead of the user having to be mm. the expert? And if I took my best practices or other people's best practices and design uh, uh, chops and sort of put them in the software, so it was as, as if you had a designer in a box mm. and, you know, how to thread the, the needle between being flexible so you could tell what you say, what you wanted to say but really easy to use. And so that's what ultimately became Beautiful AI. I guess that's more Beautiful AI's origin story than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. And, you know, that's really something you said is interesting about the tool becoming the expert. Obviously, what I teach is helping bridge that gap between the regular tools where it's sort of like this unbound sandbox that people play in with no edges. Um, and what I noticed was how many design constraints were built into the tool that were part of best practices. And I was like, oh, they can't mess this up. I get it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to find those, those, those edges, though. Yeah. And that's a lot about what the tool is and, and sort of pushing back on you and saying, you've typed too much text. You should right. back. It's just hard because, you know, everyone's used to sort of, I can fit one more word in there. You know, I can, yeah. you know, I can take that white space if I want. And so finding that balance between when we push back and, and when we allow you to kind of exceed maybe what is best practices in order to get your message across is part of the, the, the challenge of the tool. Mm. Right, right. So do you feel that there's still, once the tool becomes the expert, do you think there's still value for designers, presenters to learn best practices? Do you think the tool maybe facilitates some of that learning for them just by example? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's best practices of storytelling and presentation True. design, and yeah. then there's best practices of like what fonts look good and what colors are <laughs> right, how much space should go between this and that. Right. I'm more trying to observe, uh, absolve you of, of, of the latter, of, of saying you don't have to make these design decisions. And a lot of this came from like, 
you know, when you build a presentation, you build a slide. I think the, the example I always give when I'm when I'm pitching the product is, you know, the 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 team slide or the people on my in in, in my group and maybe there's three pictures and their name and their titles below each one. And you're like, this is great. You download a template and you're like, great. And it's got three team members on it. And I fill it in, but I have four team members. And now what do I do? So now <laughs> I take three boxes, shrink them down right. and I drag them over and right. I duplicate another one and I align them all up. And this is where chaos sort of plays out. And I was like, why isn't there just a add team member button? Why doesn't it know what to do if there's three, mm. four, five, even eight team members and lay them out for me intentionally? And that's what I'm trying to, to keep the, the user from having to worry about. Um, the, 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 my idea is your focus should be on the story and mm. what you're saying. And, and, you know, presentations are, a, they're a tool to support you. They're not the medium unto itself, I think. Um, you know, it, it, it blurs the line a little bit these days because you've got presentations that you're distributing that people are viewing unattended and you've got presentations that you're sticking up on a screen in a, in a boardroom mm -hmm. and presenting in front of. And so those are sort of different different beasts. I mean, I mean, Nancy Duarte coined the slogument, you know, yep. which is sort of yep. the, the, the blend between them. And so, you know, but trying to, to get you on the path of, of only having to focus on what you're presumably really educated about or knowledgeable about is what you're pitching, your story, mm. what idea you're trying to promote, what you're trying to sell, what you're trying to convince people of, how that looks and how that, you know, represents on the slide is maybe less important to you. Um, and you want it to look good and you want it to 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 communicate articulately, um, but you don't want to be worrying about all the minutiae of what goes into design. That is a really interesting point, you know, because it is a bear for a lot of the, the, my audience is comprised of a lot of data analysts, data scientists, digital marketing practitioners who don't have a design background and right. are probably, frankly, not really interested in becoming designers <laughs> in order to execute something beautiful and understandable that does focus on the story aspect. And I'm wondering, is the AI part of that name sort of this predictive element? Because when I was developing the deck for that guest post, I noticed that I needed to add another member of a list of some kind that I was working with. And when I added that Num that extra member, the entire layout of the slide shifted to something that accommodated that number beautifully. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So that's the automated design aspect of the tool. The mm -hmm. intelligent, you know, um, I shouldn't call it intelligent design. The design <laughs> per se is, is, is that it's, it's evaluating your content that you're entering in. And every time you type a character, it's sort of saying, what's the optimum layout for this? And, wow. and how am I going to fit all this stuff in? Mm -hmm. But obviously, there's constraints, too. You can't put 99 bullet points on a slide because they just won't fit. Right. Um, so at some point, it pushes back. And, and you know, that's sort of the, the give and take. Yeah, of course. Wow. I, I was that was the moment where I realized this was definitely a different tool kind of tool and that this was trying to be a sort of ally to the actual designer in a way that other tools are sort of like, come with what you got and we'll let yep. you do anything you want <laughs> at your own peril. <laughs>
Yeah, and I, and I think there will always be people who want to use a blank canvas tool like yes. PowerPoint, and, and they want absolute control over every pixel, and maybe they want pink unicorns flying across their slides. <laughs> you know, that's not something you can do in beautiful AI. Yeah. You're, you're, you, you get to make choices about your colors and your fonts and your theme, and, you know, do you like circles over squares, and do you want thick lines or thin lines? But you're kind of limited. You're not positioning things manually. You're not, right. you know, you're making all those design decisions. But you kind of get to be like the art director. You yeah. kind of get to say like, well, you know, I, I, I do want my stuff to be horizontal or vertical, or I want to emphasize this piece of information over and de-emphasize this. We want people to be thinking in terms of intent rather than, you know, tactics or the, right. the nuances of design. Um, so even, even when you use the tool, when you go to add another slide, we ask you, you know, what are you trying to communicate? I want to show growth. I want to show team. I want to show time. I want to show people. And then we give you a bunch of these smart templates that you can pick from, which are all designed to sort of take your data and present it in different ways. But we're not yet at this point yet telling you what your story should be or right. how what slide you should add next. That's sort of down the road. And that'll be more sort of AI of learning how people create presentations so we can help other people create similar presentations. Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense. So what are some of the design no-nos that it helps you know, presentation designers avoid that you see are, are most common? Well, again, there, there's two levels, right? There's you know, presentation design practice, and everyone knows these, right? Keep your points simple. Don't put a lot of text on the slide. Have you know, one sort of focus. Don't fill in all the white space, et cetera. Uh, tell a story with your data. Don't just sort of present a big table or a chart. <laughs> the tool. You know, gives you ways to pull out highlights and, and emphasize different aspects of data or tables. And, you know, these things that you can do in a tool like PowerPoint, but are difficult, that require a lot of effort, are just to click away in beautiful AI. And, and those are kind of like the presentation best practices. And then, of course, there's design best practices of like, what the letting and the kerning should be on your fonts and, <laughs> and you know, don't put bright colors on top of other bright colors unless you really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how to maintain good spacing between things and keep them aligned and, uh, uh, you know, have the right weights of, of lines and strokes and, and, and variances of variance of color. So it's all doing this stuff underneath you for you and you're just kind of filling it in. Right. So, Am I hearing some of the things that it sets this tool apart from online tools like Google Slides, Prezi, Haiku Deck? You know, there's obviously, I'm, I'm sure it's compared. And even the offline tools like PowerPoint and Keynote, you know, why would someone decide definitively to use Beautiful for this purpose versus those? I mean, it's clearly whether you feel like you're spending a lot of time designing and 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 twiddling with with how. <laughs> <laughs> looks in those tools and you don't want to be right uh, and our goal is to get you a presentation that looks better and takes a lot less time for you to build so again you can either choose to focus the extra time you have on a better story or you can go do something else <laughs> right uh, you know 
I mean, everybody's got the story of 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, yes. you know, for the presentation on Monday and they're fighting with PowerPoint. And nudging a, <laughs> an object. Yeah. yeah, moving things around. I mean, you spend an inordinate amount of time, yeah. you know, worrying about the design aspects. And at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're communicating something that's fairly standard, right? Whether it be bullet points or timelines or a pyramid funnel. I mean, these are all fairly standard visualizations that you don't really need to reinvent the wheel every time you create them. And, uh, you know, so again, the tool is trying to let you focus on just getting your information out there and not worry about the design. Right. And and again, I don't know that it's everyone. There are certainly people who, who like that aspect. And I mean, one of the things I always say is that presentations are not really an opportunity for self-expression. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not, you know, your idea to, to push your creative sort of juices on the world generally you have a brand and, and a corporate, you know, style that yeah. you're supposed to, you know, follow. And the tool really helps you, you know, set that up and then adhere to it. In fact, it becomes almost impossible to not adhere to it. Right, right. That was what I thought was so great. Some of the features like the color scheme, which was so easy to create and then assigning specific fonts for headings and body content, you know, a lot more straightforward than the more open-ended tools for sure. So, um, does it, do you make it easy for people to work offline as well in case, you know, they have to work on something we allow you to present offline. We don't allow you to author offline. It is a cloud-based tool. Oh, it takes it. advantage of all your data being in the cloud, which means that now you can share these presentations or collaborate with other people in real oh, okay. time. You and I can both be working on a presentation at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I can, you know, you can send a link to that and view analytics about the presentation. So there's all this great stuff that you get by putting presentations in the cloud yeah, that you don't true. have in a file-based system from PowerPoint. But we do acknowledge that sometimes you're going into a meeting or you're going to a conference and you can't be guaranteed that there's going to be Wi-Fi. Right, so exactly. you can download the presentation. You can present it offline. You can also export it to PowerPoint or PDF if oh. you, if, to move into another uh, authoring tool where there's more work that you want to do. We'd rather you didn't. But well, <laughs> oh, that's that's great to know because there might be people that have to send yeah. in a certain format. What are some of your favorite features, the ones that you're super proud of? Wow. Um, you know, it's interesting. Every template is, is like almost a little app unto itself. And, in, in you know, if I'm building an org chart template and, or, a, a, a arrow bars or comparing bubbles or a chart or a table, I love going in and like thinking about like, what are those things that, you know, you always wish you could do that, you know, the 90%, it's like, gosh, I, I, I wish I could highlight this column in a table and, and split it across from the other ones. And so it's standard out by its mm -hmm. own. Um, uh, you know, I want my arrow bars to animate smoothly, you know, and I don't want to do fly-ins and have to do any, all this animation stuff or in the org chart, you know, I want it all to lay out cleanly, but sometimes I don't want a node to look like another node in the org chart. So every one of those is like finding those like really cool little things that like, are going to make someone's life a lot easier. Mm. Like they're going to get one click away that used to take 15 minutes or an hour or, you know, some period of time to do that are now so close to doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love, I mean, I love, I've built a lot of the templates and, uh, you know, oh, okay. code and 
I love every little aspect of each one. Uh, it's hard to pick a, a favorite. Um, you know, we try and do things like, you know, intelligently put gutters between images so they mm, look good. Right. You put a subtle drop shadow if it's appropriate. Or when you when you put text on top of an image, it immediately give you an opportunity to say, well, I should put white behind this or I should put a drop shadow behind it or I should put a black transparent box. And it's just really easy to kind of get to different places with the stuff. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Are there any exciting features that you're looking to add or is it always like little oh, yeah, tweaks? No, it's tons. Um, in fact, we, we just rolled out a bunch of stuff to help people work within other ecosystem. So we built a, a, a Google Drive integration. So now oh, your patients cool. can live in Google Drive, um, a Dropbox integration. So you can pull in assets from Dropbox, a Slack integration so that when people make changes to your presentation, you can get notifications in Slack. Oh, wow. um, we just released a, a Kanban template, a calendar template, oh, cool. uh, uh, a Gantt chart, a uh, a flow chart tool, which is great. I mean, everything lays out and you're dragging your flow charting things around. You've oh, got wow. all these options for what a node looks like. Um, we also released this in concert with that, this elements feature, which, you know, again, one of the criticisms of the tool, which is, you know, valid is that you can't do anything you want. And sometimes right. you get to the point where, you know, I wish I had a little more flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so we added this ability to now drag and position elements wherever you want on a slide, sort of as call outs or annotations. So if you've got a, a, bun- a list with a bunch of items that have been sort of automatically laid out, but you need a little arrow box oh, with the box around it, you can do that. <laughs> this summer, we'll, we'll, we're going to move heavily into team features. So collaboration uh, and advanced collaboration for teams. And the 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 big headline there is brand control within an organization. So if you're a company who's got a marketing team that's trying to maintain a, a, a corporate brand across your sales folk team or the rest of your company, it's really difficult to do in PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the the PowerPoint theme with the slide in it that the designer created that's got like literally the appeal, like please use these colors and right. please use the stock <laughs> photography. And, and that, that's state of the art of, sort of brand control within a PowerPoint world. So beautiful AI, because of the way the system works, will allow you to, you know, create a company theme, share that across your company and force that people use it or, you know, have a library of shared slides. And so we're excited about the the team features that we're working on right now. I was actually going to ask how this is being adopted by corporations and and brands and such. Yeah. um, You know, so, I mean, yeah, there's there's over. I think you said 350. I think we're actually double that now. Uh, about six or seven hundred thousand wow. people are using the tool. Um, and you know, there are personal use people who use it for personal reasons, and we see them working on the weekends and and, and building presentations. There's certainly a lot of education students and teachers who are using the tool, and then of course there's business users. Um, and you know. Those range from individuals who are sort of like that's their secret weapon and they're starting to use the tool. And then we start to see this sort of land and expand as they start to grow within their team. So some companies and we have companies where hundreds of people are using the tool. We have companies where one or two people are using the tool. Um, so certainly, you know, we've been more focused on that individual experience right now. Uh, and, and, you know, t- and to, to grow the market, we want to sort of ex- focus on sort of the team experience as well on top of that. 
Mm, okay, excellent. Um, what are the kinds of presentations that users are creating? You know, are there any interesting trends there? Well, you know, we, we don't really ask. Um, it's, I mean, the interesting thing about presentations is they're very private and, uh, okay. and people don't really want us spending a lot of time looking at their decks. I mean, <laughs> we see stuff and they run the gamut. I mean, we see internal presentations. We see external presentations. You can take presentations that are created in beautiful AI. You can embed them on a, uh, on a website. So we see that happen a lot. We've got people who actually want to drive their entire web page off of just a, a presentation that's oh, interesting. embedded on a web page. Um, we get people printing out their presentations or wanting to create ebooks with them. Mm -hmm. And then of course, everything in between of, you know, the, the CEO doing the company update, the HR team doing a benefits package for their team, product managers talking about the roadmap, of course, marketing and sales decks, uh, pitch decks are sure a lot of those. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I actually read a piece that you had wrote, written on pitch decks, and it seemed to be more about the storytelling aspect. Um, yeah. Do you plan on incorporating storytelling for especially that kind? Because I think that's the kind of deck that the story is crucial yeah. because the stakes are high. Yeah, I look at I look at the presentation life cycle as three sorts of three sort of steps. Uh, What's the story I'm trying to say, tell? How do I visualize each piece of that story into a slide? And then in the act of disseminating that story, whether it be in person or, or uh, uh, online uh, or through a link. And, you know, we've firmly been sort of in that middle part of like helping you visualize each piece of your story. But we do want to move into more helping you. What is that story? And the first step to that is uh presentation templates. So mm -hmm. allowing you to start from an existing sort of pitch deck or, or sales deck or marketing blue ocean strategy deck, whatever it might be. So we're currently working right now to build up this library of sort of templates of templates or presentation templates that we can sort of integrate into the tool so that you can have a starting point. You know, nobody likes to start from a blank canvas, whether yeah. it be a single slide or a set of slides. And so we want to help you, you know, sort of bootstrap that process. And then we'll also allow companies to create their own internal presentation templates. So you mm -hmm. as a company might have, you know, what's our sales deck look like? Well, we always want to have this title slide and about the company and we've got a bunch of case study slides and we want those to show up. And so you'll be able to build those templates to get people within mm -hmm. your organization started quickly as well. Okay, nice. So one of the interesting we're in an interesting time right now at the time of recording we're still in the midst of a fairly global lockdown due yeah. to coronavirus and i've been trying to pay attention to different kinds of themes being conducted on search engines just to see what some of the trends are and how people are thinking and Interestingly, I noticed there's been a huge surge in searches around remote presentations, online presentation, and beautiful.ai specifically in the last three months or so. Yeah. So I'm just curious if you have a perspective on that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, we've definitely we definitely saw a hit uh, when when the first about a month ago. You know, I think I think traffic dropped a little bit, but oh, okay. it's all actually come back. And now we're, we're doing better than we were doing before the, mm -hmm. or whatever you want to say that COVID stuff started. Um, you know, I'm, 
I mean, I think working from remote, working remotely or working offline is, is, a, is a trend that's just been growing and growing. I mean, mm-hmm. even before we all started working from home every day and I'm at home now, uh, you know, we would we would do one day a week working from home. And, you know, many of the other startups in the Bay Area, you know, everybody's got to work from home day. And um, so I think this idea of, of working remotely and connecting over, you know, tools like Slack and Zoom and 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 et cetera, and beautiful AI ultimately has been growing and growing over the last, you know, even year. Right. And, you know, uh, I mean, productivity as collaboration is something uh, uh, you, you've seen growing and growing across many different products. I mean, you know, whether it be working with spreadsheets and using a tool like Airtable or Coda mm-hmm. or design tools that have become collaboration focused or document tools like Drive, Google and uh, Notion and, and uh, et cetera. Uh, this space is just becoming more and more prevalent. I think I think what's happened is that the, the experience that you can get in the browser and the experience you can get with the tool uh, now rivals what you would see from a desktop app or that didn't right. used to be you know, a few years ago. Oh, no, that's, that's definitely for sure. Because my whole presentation transformation started as a result of choosing to use Prezi about 10 years ago, for a presentation. And I realized I had no idea (laughs) how to approach this infinitely scrolling canvas, as opposed to something more linear, which I was used to. And luckily, that prompted a whole dive into presentation best practices. But the tools back then, I, I st- did not facilitate, uh, you know, an easy translation of those practices the way that the tools do now. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild, wild west. You know, again, <laughs> it's a blank canvas. You know, I mean, they give you a little bit, and you know, yeah. it's interesting. Like PowerPoint has smart art, which is something that hasn't evolved very much. <laughs> right. in, 10 years yeah. and they've got charts and the charts are great, right? Mm-hmm. The charts, do all this design for you and you put your data in, you work it out, but they, you know, they really didn't lean into that. And, uh, that's sort of what we are is smart art on steroids. And like, mm-hmm. what if the whole slide was smart art? And, you know, again, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, I mean, um, hopefully some of your, your listeners will, will visit the tool and you kind of got to let go a little bit. You kind of got to say, let the tool do design for me, type my information in, browse through all these templates and find some interesting, you know, way to represent the idea that I'm trying to communicate and let it go. Like, like the design will look good and it's going to, you know, you can sort of set the themes and and set sort of global properties around how your presentation should look, but you just don't need to be sweating the details. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm just trying to make everybody's a little more productive, a little more efficient, and the presentations look a little bit better. Actually, a lot better. <laughs> yes. And what I, I just, again, remember being struck by the idea that as I was watching myself enter content and witnessing the layouts shift and being prompted to enter certain design decisions in, I thought they're going to be exposed to a completely different look and feel to what they're used to versus yeah. the wild west option. And part um, of it's about being able to experiment and yeah. not 
break things. Like, do I want the header on the top? <laughs> do I want the header on the left? You know, right. it's going to rearrange everything for you and make that look good. So you don't have to, it doesn't take you 15 minutes. To, it takes a third of a second. Right. I, I was, I was amazed how quickly I was able to create my own deck and have it have a consistent format for sure. So can you share any exciting developments or, you know, what your product vision is for the future? Well, I mean, we talked about the team stuff. That's mm-hmm. obviously important. Whenever I'm talking to people, I talk about the meatball and the spaghetti sauce. The meatball is sort of this core, you know, process of improving authoring and spaghetti sauce is it everything else, you know, the, the collaboration and the team stuff. And so, you know, I'm excited we're going to get more focused on the meatball now and, and you know, <laughs> again, in, in cre- improving the theming and the, and the, and the, the templating and, and mm-hmm. what these slides look like we have a designer who works for us who creates, you know, the slides that go on our blog. And, you know, so she uses the tool and her, her slides look amazing. They are beautiful. Yes. And, and there's no reason why everyone who's using the tool can't achieve exactly the same results. Um, and so we're, we're trying to, you know, create a gallery of, we call them, the woman's name is care. And so the care slides will end up in the gallery and, and you'll be able to pull those down and, and start directly from that. Mm. Um, again, it's all about just trying to get you spend less, you know, honestly spend less time in the tool right? Uh, and more time, you know, again, focus on your story and your story. I love that so much. So what gets you excited in general about the future of presentation and storytelling? What do you, what do you think it is for you that drives you and your passion for this? I mean, what drives me is making people more efficient. I love ah, like, okay. You, when something that used to take you a long amount or some period of time, like I can make quicker and easier for you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like doing that in my life. Uh, I like doing that in the products that I build. I mean, that's what gets me excited when, you know, when I hear that people are using the tool and, you know, they say like it used, I can do in 15 minutes what it used to take me, you know, eight hours to do mm-hmm. that. That seems like a, a big win to me. That's and so that's what kind of drives me forward. And, and, you know, I'm lucky that, I started my career as a designer. I love design. I love things that look good. I love, uh, you know, crafting good design, but being able to sort of merge that with making people more efficient with it and sort of automating it. It's, it's, it's great for me. I love it. I, I I love that too. That is time is money, (laughs) right? Um, is there like a, a really powerful presentation of some kind that you've seen recently that you were really inspired by? I always like to ask this question just to a presentation? Yeah. Either if it was a TED talk or even internal. Uh, nothing, to be honest, comes to mind. I've, I've, uh, I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I see so many presentations, and so many are terrible. And we spend <laughs> tend to look at the bad ones more often uh, than the true. good ones. Um, Again, I'm always excited by the stuff that uh, Care, the designer, is building with with our tool. Uh, and you know, when I see what can be done so quickly using the product, and you know, meets what I'd hope I would see as the output, that always gets me jazzed. Well, that's that's good enough. We'll definitely point to her work. So. Uh, the next segment is actually called the upgrade and it is a tool or a book or a resource or some kind of hack or trick that you use to 
you know, make your presentations awesome. Obviously, we know there's one tool you'll recommend, but just yeah. in case there's something well, obviously else. Obviously, I recommend our tool. Um, <laughs> you know, I like uh, Nancy Duarte's books on, you know, she's been more focused recently on the storytelling aspect of, 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 of how to get your message across. And I think that stuff is just so applicable. And, and it's, it's the stuff that is so really the personal side of, of yeah. presentation. The design side doesn't need to be, but what the message is and what the story and, and getting that across. And I think, you know, those books do an amazing job of, of, of sort of outlining like how, how you should think about those things. So, um, yeah, I agree. 100%. I, one of the formative presentation transformation experiences I had was coming across something around audience needs assessment in, I think it was slideology. And I was like, wait a minute, there are people in my audience and they have brains and emotions and they want things. <laughs> yeah. Completely. I mean, so many of those, those tips ultimately drive into what the design should look like and, and what mm. those best practices are. And, yeah. you know, you know, so the stuff that Nancy kind of pioneered around all that, you know, is the the core of, of how some of the intelligence within Beautiful AI works. Mm -hmm. Oh, I absolutely saw the influence of Nancy and Gar Reynolds and Guy yeah. Kawasaki. I mean, all the greats were t all their spirits are definitely in this tool for sure. All right, so we have arrived to the final question. Think very hard about this very plausible scenario. You are schooling your kids in a Minecraft tournament online when you're suddenly sucked into a vortex through the screen that pulls you back to the moment you're about to deliver your first presentation. Do you remember what you were presenting about and what would today you say to yesterday you? Oh, wow. My first presentation. That was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, I, I, I guarantee that the first presentation I did had way too much information on it, way too much text, and I probably read it. And I probably, you know, I, I've learned now that presentations are, 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 are really just supposed to support you. And, mm. and you know, they help me, and I, 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 they probably didn't in the past, but stay focused on, I tend to babble. I tend to talk and talk and talk and talk, and I can fill in any space, whether it's dead or not. And uh, uh, I think, you know, I probably spent a lot, too much time sort of explaining the things about that presentation. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, I've learned now that, you know, it's, it's a little bit more about being concise and sort of staying on point, just like it is in the design. Mm -hmm. I, well, I think that's probably what all of us would love to <laughs> tell ourselves back then. I'm still thinking about the vortex. <laughs> well, we've let you out of the vortex now. You're not safe. But no, I, it's a really good point. You know, I'm actually in the process of writing my first book and I'm shooting oh. to publish this year, <laughs> even considering the circumstances. Uh, and what I'm learning even as a writer, I've been blogging for close to 10 years now. But what I've even learned as a writer is that you say less and more comes across somehow because yeah. you're really taking away the fluff. And for me, really powerful, memorable presentations make it so clear because it's not drowning in noise, 
right? Right. So and that's the key to visualize, visualizing data, right? Yeah. The reason like, you don't want to just put, you know, nine bullet points on a slide. You want to visualize your data in some way that, again, gets that message across yeah. uh, quickly and concisely. You're right. It's not about being pretty or snazzy or exciting. And these are all words that I've gotten, you know, requests for. It's about right. simplicity, exactly. clarity and intention. So love that so much. And that's definitely, those three things are definitely what beautiful.ai are all about. So it still looks beautiful. <laughs> say again? It still looks beautiful. It still does. <laughs> so Mitch, unfortunately, our time has run out, but I really enjoyed our conversation and I'd love for the listeners to hear where they can keep up with you. Um, you know, the best is to go to beautiful.ai. Uh, it's www.beautiful.ai and uh, you can sign up for free and play with the tool. And, you know, uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Awesome. And that link was going to be on the show notes page for this episode. So Mitch, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show today. I can't wait to see where Beautiful goes and, you know, the just the general future of online presentation tools. It's really exciting. Thanks. It's so fun to see how technology can be used to make life easier. What an innovative concept. <laughs> no, but seriously, I was super impressed and surprised with the intuitive and predictive nature of this online tool. I really haven't found that in many other tools. That's why I've been so skeptical of them until now. So go check them out. You can sign up for their basic plan completely free at leahpika.com slash beautiful AI, no dot. To catch all of the other links here, uh, register, find out about where I'm speaking, resources, everything, visit the show notes page at leahpika.com slash 056. I would love for you to leave me a comment or suggestions because I want to hear about the challenges you are facing when presenting information. And of course, if you like what you've heard, I ask please from the bottom of my heart to hop on over to iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating and review. L ratings and reviews are so appreciated because they help the rankings of the show. And I'll be reading out my future reviews on future episodes. And I leave you with today's bit of data presentation inspiration, which is from comic artist Brian Reed. And that is, everything is designed few things are designed well. My take, yep, that applies to many data presentations. And the thing that I want you to think about is what designed well means. For me, it means designed with simplicity, intentionality, consistency. And I believe still that learning basic presentation design skills, such as what you can get through my data storytelling and presentation bootcamp online course, is still really valuable as a foundation. However, with the advent of thoughtfully designed tools like beautiful.ai, your presentation can be one of those things that are well designed without the time consuming guesswork. So. Once again, hop on over to leahpika.com slash beautiful AI to start your free account today. That's it for today. Stay well, stay safe, and 